This is Highway 89, BYU Radio's live music program. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. We've been looking forward to having Shelby Earle in the studio ever since we heard she'd be coming through town on her Western States tour. Last night, the band played Boise, which, thanks to Twitter, was apparently super fun and a little weird. That's a quote. I know people in Boise who fit both of those descriptions, but I'm related, so I can say that. Anyway, they're here, and a big thank you to Shelby Earle, bandmates Eric Hawk, guitar Ben Obie bass, and Michael Knight drums. Shelby Earle has opened for Benjamin Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie, Rhett Miller, and Loudon Wainwright III. She's released two albums, Burn the Boats and Swift Arrows, both of which have received positive press, including praise from Rolling Stone magazine and NPR's Ann Powers. Reviewers have described her music as gritty, soulful, raucous, and beautiful music for those of us who've been through a few things. And there's more of it on the way. She's currently writing her third album. Let's go right to music now with 22. You've got me undone.
Shelby Earl from Seattle performing her song 22, You've Got Me Undone. You're listening to Highway 89 Live. Shelby, thank you for coming and singing for us. Thank you so much for having me. We're happy to be here. You know, I, I've, I've heard studio recordings and all of that, but to be here in the room with you, you've got a powerful instrument, your voice. Thank I mean, you're you. playing acoustic, I appreciate it. Uh, your acoustic guitar as well, but you've got a really strong voice. Thank you so very it's, much. It's exciting just to be here and, and hear you sing. You got hooked on singing in middle school and have been singing ever since, but the songwriting was, most people would say, a lot later. That is true. <laughs> that is correct. I'm a bit of a late bloomer, one might say. Yes. How, how long? How late? Well, you know, I started writing poetry around junior high. I, you know, from a super young age, I always knew I wanted to sing. And I've always been a fan of words. <laughs> it's quite wordy. You know, I was the kid who was always in trouble for talking too much in class. Uh, perhaps you know that type of child. <laughs> anyway, I was, I've just always been a words person. And so I started writing poetry in junior high and high school. I entered poetry competitions and all this stuff. But then I was singing, you know, over here completely separately from that. And it just, it took me until really my late twenties, early thirties to start combining the two. I played in bands for many years with other writers so uh -huh. I was always, in quotes, just the singer. <laughs> and so took a little confidence building, I think. To So when yeah. you were going to do your first album, what made you think, well, then it's got to be all originals? Well, what happened first is the last band I was in broke up. That was in 2007. And I, I had sort of dabbled on guitar a little bit before that, but hadn't been very serious about it. And so when that band broke up, I took a step back and thought, well, maybe that's it for music. Maybe that was something I did when I was young. And, but then I picked up my guitar. It was like the pressure was released, and it just seemed really fun. And I started to play in my living room, and songs just started coming. It was really organic and just really lucky, I guess. And so it sort of spun up from there. That happened first, and then I thought about making a record. Well, I, I, I was reading a little bit, and it said that you felt like you were kind of glad because you have all this experience to draw from. You know, I do feel that way. It's true. I, I feel like I have something to say. I've got stories to tell. I've, you know, I'm not, I've by, you know, by no means been hard living, but, <laughs> but I've been living, you know, and we and all have stories to, and paying attention. That's right. And that's, that's a good point. I, I pay attention to people's lives unfolding around me as well. So do you ever get a song out of the junior high poems? Oh, that's a good one. You know, not that I know of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but okay. I should go back and cross-reference. <laughs> we'll see what we find. So one of the lyrics from that last one said, we could sing about love in words that don't rhyme. And I love that because it, it says so much about it's, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be. I, I just love how you capture that in so few words. That's Thank a real you. gift. That's pretty cool. Thank you. And that, you know, that line actually had a double meaning because I, I was in fact, I am in fact singing about a person who is a very gifted songwriter and he has an ability to sing and write uh, amazing songs that don't rhyme. <laughs> and I'm inspired by that. Okay, two levels. That's good. Yeah. Well, we're going to hear one more song uh, from Shelby Earle and the band here. The name of this one is Grown Up Things. Come down, come down, come down. 
by Shelby Earle, her original performed live by the songwriter herself here on BYU Radio. Shelby is a fan of Pablo Picasso. I read you had a, a fish, a beta. <laughs> I named did. Pablo. This is true. <laughs> R.I.P. Pablo. I'm trying to picture him in, in, in a cubist sort of a way. <laughs> he, you know, he had a little bit of a cubist um, background in his tank. We did what we could. <laughs> uh, 
several of Picasso's quotes about art, the one in particular that you said applies to your songwriting, and I'd love you to talk about this, which is, if I can't use red, then I use blue. Yes, that, uh, you know, that, I, I can't even remember where I saw that or where I read that quote, but it just got me in the gut. I wrote it in, in the front of a songwriting notebook that I had where I was working on all these songs. And the reason it got me, I actually had a guitar teacher at that time. And this is in those early years of um, solo songwriting uh, where I was trying to find my feet, you know, mm. expressing myself this way. And she said that my guitar teacher said to me, you're making everything way more complex than it needs to be. Simplify. Think about the artists you love who write what's in their heart set to three chords, you know, and, <laughs> and you've loved these songs for life. And that's all you need. I mean, it's, I've, I hate to say the three chords in the truth quote, but it's, <laughs> but it's, you know, it gets requoted for a reason. Uh -huh. <laughs> so that's the idea. I read that Picasso quote and thought he understood that mm. There were just a few elements that were really important to what he was doing. And everyone loved him for his honesty in using those elements. He would use just blue for a while because that's what he had or that's what moved him. And then he would use just red. And, you know, mm. like that, that was powerful to me. In one interview, someone felt like they needed to say, she's actually a happy person. She's quite optimistic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just because you're not afraid to de to deal with difficulty in songs? I think I think it must be. Yeah, I I just had someone say that to me again recently. That um, she she said I've been listening to your record nonstop, and now I've met you, and you're very nice, and I'm very disappointed. <laughs> she thought she thought I was going to be a tough. <clears throat> Please be tortured. I won't I won't <laughs> say the full quote, but she uh, yeah she thought I was going to be much much more tortured than I am. I think. Have you ever written a song that you thought this is pretty good, but I just don't feel like performing it? Absolutely. In fact, we when we were recording this last record. We, we recorded 14 songs and we released 11. And there were a couple in the mix. I mean, one just didn't quite fit. But there were a couple that I just felt like these are so heavy. They were, it was important for me to write it. It was important to record it. Going through that whole process was, you know, just, it can be clarifying. And then you find out what you want to keep singing every night. I read a quote from someone that said, your songs are your mantras. If you're a touring musician, you sing these words every single night. So you better mm. like what you're saying, <laughs> you know, hey, better believe it. That's great advice. Well, uh, we're going to hear one more right now. And having said how happy thing is, please get two handkerchiefs for this next song. We're going to be hearing from Shelby Earl, another original. The next one is called If It Isn't You. And I should mention that Shelby's he heading on a European tour, and she's been to England, Ireland, and France already some years ago. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Here is If It Isn't You. Once 
to come right on through chosen one chosen one down Open up these locks Should come right on through We have been waiting so long If it isn't you, performed by Shelby Earl and the band, that's Eric Hawk, electric guitar, Ben Obi bass, and Michael Knight drums. Shelby's playing the acoustic guitar. And we're going to hear another piece here. This next one is called The Artist, and it's kind of, uh, it's very catchy, locked in a 1950s-style groove, and there are some kind of darkly humorous lyrics. I like this one. I'll make the bed while you're off to shoot the moon. I love you. You love you too, <laughs> and uh, Shelby said uh, anyone partnering with a partnering with a full time artist knows this territory well. So feel free to make this about anyone you want it to be, if the shoe fits. One, 
now was your day I'm almost afraid to ask Oh, I bet it was great And I bet you'll tell me all about it Closer to fortune and fame Oh, you've wrapped the world around you But to my dismay Forgotten how I found you I remember when you Used to share the mirror I love you You love you too I love you You love you too Hello, good morning I hope this doesn't make you late Everyone wants a piece of you Did you just hear you say that? I'll make the bed While you are off to shoot the moon I love you You love you Shelby Earl singing her song, The Artist. And yes, I, I'm laughing about this one. It's a great song. This is BYU Radio, and you're listening to Highway 89. Let's talk about the title of your first album, Burning Boats. Yes, Burn the Boats. Figuratively, literally. Well, not literally. Back in history. <laughs> not quite literally. You have a really interesting story of, of what you were doing as a day job. And then the decision to say, nope, it's going to be music. So tell us about this. Well, I actually worked in the music industry on the other side, on the marketing, promotion, sales side. Actually, booking, I booked shows as well, did radio mm -hmm. promotion. Uh, I've worked in many different aspects of the music industry for about 10 years. And my last stop uh, was at Amazon.com on the music team there. So I was working with record labels to promote their artists on the site. You know all the little boxes you yes. see? Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you go to their pages, there are people writing that content. I was one of those people. But what made you think, I'm going to make the big change? Well, this co coincided. I started Amazon at right when that band ended. Mm. So it was this you know, sort of perfect little storm. Once I started writing songs, uh, it was a snowball effect, and I was writing nonstop, I would be in meetings, thinking about song lyrics and all this stuff. And so I started to play some solo shows just around Seattle, where I'm from. And my first solo show was at an ice cream social. So, you know, really big time stuff. But the response was positive, and, and I had a number of people say along the way, you should record these songs, you should make a record. So finally, I just had this sort of aha moment where I went, always wanted to do music t full time I've never taken the leap it's not too late I don't have kids so I'm not 
responsible for anyone else. <laughs> I can sort of take the risk right now and just see what happens. So that was four years ago. So, and you prepared. I mean, you didn't just walk in the next day. I understand that, that you sort of left graciously and uh, oh, yeah. planned ahead to have some savings, all of this. Absolutely, yes. I had an exit plan. I have people tell me all the time, I'm going to quit my job too. And I say, hold on, <laughs> make a plan, have a net, have projects lined up. I mean, that was the other thing. I, I left my job and had recording time scheduled for two weeks later. So yeah. I got right to work, made sure I didn't, you know, sit around eating bonbons and watching TV <laughs> for too long. Anyway, I did take a minute, but so yes. when, but after the savings are gone and after the plans <laughs> kind of working, but not, the wheels aren't spinning too fast yet. Did you have a moment where you thought, uh, any second thoughts? Oh yeah. So it was, it was about nine months later and I just, I spent a year making that first record from start to mastering mm -hmm. and it's, I just didn't know how long a process that was going to be for me. So it was about nine months in when the money ran out and I just went, oh crap, what have I done? And here's where the burn the boats theme comes in. I, I called up my parents and was lamenting my situation and uh and thankfully I have very supportive parents who believe in what I was doing and and my mom said well you know you stick with it because just the other day someone asked how you were doing and your stepdad looked at them and said she's doing great she pulled all the boats ashore and she burned them <laughs> triumphantly he was all proud no going back no going back exactly and it was uh, another aha moment a different kind and where i realized i'm in this you know i'm gonna see this through and and I mean, I hadn't even finished a record yet, which was just the first project in this music realm. So, so I did, I stuck with it and saw it through and it's a complex life, but it's so rewarding. And so there's no going back. So you've recently released that full song that had not been recorded before, Burn the Boats. Where would Correct. people look for that? So it is now, as of yesterday, it's on ah. iTunes. Uh, I believe it's up on Amazon as well, CD Baby everywhere. You don't have a special music. in at Amazon. <laughs> well, you know what? They have been very good to me. In fact, there's a project coming up, which I can't talk about quite yet, a collaboration with Amazon. All right. So they've been very supportive. It's been great. <laughs> well, we're going to hear it. Let's let's uh, let All you right. take your place over here with the band. Uh, we're going to hear Shelby Earl and the band with that very song, Burn the Boats. I pulled the boats to the shore Tied them up one by one Lit them all a fire Sent them to the ocean floor I set my eyes on a victory New earth beneath my feet Till smoking clouds above me Was all that I could see 
You're listening to BYU Radio. Today we've got singer-songwriter Shelby Earle in studio. Just a snippet of the song we just heard, Burnt in the Boats made it to her first album of the same name. Good news, you can now find a longer full-length version. That's been an anthem at her shows and just released. More information at shelbyearle.com. Shelby, I love something I read that talks about the depth of your lyrics. It said, uh, I'm, I think I'm less of a calm observer and there's more crisis or catharsis in my writing process they're words that I had to sing in order to work through hurt or fear or loss, whatever you were up against at the time. Absolutely. So it music is, therapy. It's my therapy. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, I, I try to make themes universal enough that I'm not just dumping my stuff on other people because that's no fun. I mean, it's still music. I want it to be oh, beautiful yeah. to people. But, um, but I do find that in sharing what's gone on for me or, again, what I've sort of observed in my life, people do connect with that, which has been very cool. Well, do you find people coming up and saying, oh, I know just what this song is about, and they tell you, and you're thinking, uh, uh-uh. 
Oh, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. That's best case scenario, you know, is that there's enough sort of room and freedom in the interpretation that people can make it their own. That is the best. Maybe to be art, something has to be able to be interpreted interpreted different ways. I yeah, wonder. I think I think so. Yeah, that's what gets under people's skin is if they make a personal connection with something, then, you know, they'll care about it for a lot longer, that's for sure. So your second album, Swift Arrows, was even released on vinyl, pink vinyl, I understand. Yeah, I would love to right. see that. <laughs> that is correct. We've got it with us at all the shows. <laughs> Uh, talk to me about recording that second album. How was that different than doing that first one when you were just sort of wondering, will this even work? You know, it it was quite different because I'd been playing shows for two years, you know, doing the solo thing and, and feeling a bit more secure. Although this project um, grew me in a major way yet again. Uh, a fabulous songwriter from Seattle named Damian Dorado produced this time and Damien is all about the moment so we did while I had spent a year making the first record this one we tracked the entire thing in eight days in fact we tracked most of the record in two days we did everything live um the either, whole band. either yeah either acoustic guitars and voice or full band in the room depending on the mm -hmm. song and then we added overdubs over the next few days but all the basic tracks are live and yeah we were it, we were in the room like this i mean there was no separation there were no walls a lot of people do stuff make records you know quote unquote live but they're in isolated rooms right so this was a bit of an experiment that way we're all in each other's mics you know, so it, it was So what did you think about how it turned out? I love it. It is it is definitely a moment in time though. You know, like when we went to mix it at the end of the process, we would try to change arrangements, take things out here and there, and we we couldn't do it. The whole mix would collapse because there were drums in that bass guitar mm. amp, you know, it microphone. The, my vocal is in the drum mic and all of that. So we it truly is that moment. Does it feel more like a live show? It does. And and I feel that way listening to it. I mean, I, I think it's a high-quality live show. I mean, we yeah. kept the stuff we like, you know, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it was it was a game. It felt risky, and then coming out of that experience, knowing that I was capable of doing that was really exciting. You and said it really grew you. What what do you mean did. by that? In the writing, in the recording, all of the above. Because Damien's approach was he he actually said, "I don't want to hear the songs." Normally, a producer would be involved in what is called pre-production where they'll, you know, sort of clean up the song itself, maybe mm. suggest edits and things like that. Damien said, these are your songs, Shelby, and you have to love them and you have to live with them. So show up with what you want mm. and also show up really well practiced. <laughs> and hey, so, that is a lot of confidence from a producer to, to hand all of that to you. It was. It was. And that that's the thing. So I, I felt like I sort of grew to his expectation, mm. which was really cool. I've been a fan of his for many years. So it was um, a great vote of confidence. Well, let's hear the title song. Absolutely. All right. And if you're a fan of pink vinyl or <laughs> any vinyl, you can get Swift Arrows. I bet it's digital too, if you want to download it. But I, somehow, just knowing it's on pink vinyl, how could you get it any other way?
Swift Arrows, the title track of Shelby Earle's second album, performed from right here in Studio 6 at BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Shelby, you're leaving on a European tour. Uh, I understand England, Ireland, France, you've already been to before. So you, you... I have as a traveler, but this is my first tour. This is my first oh, time that, playing was, shows was over Was that there. like busking and that kind of thing, no, or just I've touring? Just, I've just been a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a few times. This is my first time playing oh, shows you're gonna have in a all whole, of these whole places. different experience. Exactly. But was it hard to make contacts, or, or does the internet make it so people already know who you are? Well, it's kind of gone both ways. I have reached. I reached out to a bunch of people and posted that I was going, and then I've gotten some 
people contacting me who have heard the music. So we'll we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> we'll see how many people have heard it. How, but touring here in the States, though, I mean, that's way different than a nine-to-five job. You said, well, it's complicated but good. Yes. So complicated... Is it because the the schedule's always changing? Absolutely, and and I play in a lot of diff- different configurations. I'm here with three of my bandmates today, but we also have two bandmates at home. So in our full configuration, there are six of us, uh, which will be playing as a six piece at Bumbershoot on August 30th. Um, but that you know obviously is expensive if you're traveling. So yeah. we just kind of change it up a lot and. It's always different depending on where we are. I travel solo. I also manage the whole operation still. So I have a booking agent now, which is great, and a publicist and someone who handles licensing for me. But the rest of it, I do on my own. That so keeps you busy. It keeps you busy. And then, and then I think the most complex part truly is then still having the creative time. Ah. You mentioned I'm writing the yes. next record, which I am. I'm really excited about the songs that are coming, but... It's hard. I mean, sometimes I'll get a song idea and pick up my guitar, step away from my computer, and then have guilt that I'm not answering emails, <laughs> which is totally backwards. You know, I mean, it's completely backwards. So that's that's the tough part. So do you schedule the studio time when the album is ready, or do you just set yourself a deadline? Does that make you get it, get it all written? You know, both the last, the first and second records, I just scheduled the time. And I think... That will probably happen again. I have kind of a tentative early 2015, you know, thing in my mind. (laughs) So we'll we'll see how it works out. I am so curious to see what you might write after touring and to see how you can. Does the audience connect the same way? Right. By going overseas? Yeah. You know, the subject matter is is changing and evolving a little bit. I've written a lot about love and human relationships, as songwriters do. Um, but you definitely, the, the more you travel, the more ideas sort of take root uh, about different kinds of things. So, so yeah, there's, a, there's still love songs, though. Who am I trying to kid? I will <laughs> probably always write about <laughs> well, love. Well, which category does Sea of Glass fit into? Sea of Glass, actually, is its, is its own category entirely because I dreamt it. It's the only really? time... It is the one and only time this has ever happened to me. I dreamt that chorus whole. Mm-hmm. And I kept waking up. I was, kept waking myself up. I was trying to remember it or write it down. And I'd fall back asleep. And then I finally, I forced myself to get out of bed. And I Google searched it. Because in my dream, it was the band The Flaming Lips singing it. <laughs> but I, I kind of knew that it wasn't a Flaming Lips song. So I Googled it. And sure enough, it was not there. So it's mine. <laughs> Wow. So then I created the meaning around it in the verses. Mm-hmm. I kind of had to decode my own brain on that one. <laughs> I didn't really know what I was talking Whatever about. Whatever was bubbling up yeah. from below. Well, let's hear Sea of Glass. All right. Okay, this is uh, Shelby Earl, Sea of Glass, with the band here. And if you want to check out her website and be able to hear that release we mentioned about uh, Burn the Boats, you can go to shelbyearl.com. That's Earl with no E. I've received your invitation. Oh, what a revelation. 
dress me up like Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Bell of the bar of the moment. Make me out any way you want me. of Glass, live on BYU Radio. Our guest today was Seattle-based singer-songwriter Shelby Earle with bandmates Eric Hawk, Ben Obie, and Michael Knight. Shelby Earle has opened for Benjamin Gibbard at Death Cab for Cutie, Rhett Miller, Loudon Rainwhite III. She's released two albums, Burn the Boats and Swift Arrows, both of which have received good press, including praise from Rolling Stone magazine and NPR's Ann Powers. Third project, In... Progress for more information about latest projects and concerts, go online to shelbyearl.com. Big thank you to Shelby and the band for a great hour. Best of luck, Shelby, on your European tour. We love to hear from you, our listeners. We welcome your comments and questions by email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.